Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to First Class Fantasy. I'm Theo Greminger, and I'm joined, as always, by Billy Muzio. And today we have a good friend of ours on, Darren Armani. If you play high-stakes fantasy, you know Fantasy Mojo. Fantasy Mojo is the preeminent site for sharp ADP data data available anywhere. It tracks FFPC data, but I believe it's actionable for anybody. Home leagues, other high-stakes events. Uh, What you've put together, Darren, is truly awesome and you should be applauded for that um why don't you tell everybody what your site is how they can get involved with it and what you're dropping every single day yeah so uh fantasymojo.com is i call it the essential add-on for high stakes players particularly the ffpc we have a full suite of adp sliced and diced by particular format so it's not just adp it's you know, main event, football guys, best ball 28, slim best ball, all the – it's huge with dynasty guys too because there's like six flavors of, of dynasty format as well. Um, ADP, the cool thing is we, we have – we publish every draft board that's drafted online. Um, so you can see any draft board drafted, you know, yesterday or back in January. Um one of the cooler things that we have now is, is the stack finder that I put together where it actually lets you drill into any of the FFPC tournaments and see, you know, what's the population of a particular combination of players, like how many stacks of a certain player or, you know, it just you can pick whatever players you want, put them together and see how many teams have that, which is an attorney is, is, is pretty important. Um, what else we got? We got a user for every, if you're an FFP user, we have the ownership percentages, um, for your particular teams, we pull those every morning. So you, and that's also divided by formats. So you can see, oh, I, I have twenty percent of Christian Watson in main event. I have fifty percent in in the best ball. So I, I tell people just go to the main page. There's a, a virtual tour, and it runs you through everything. Um, but like I said, it's the one stop shop, and and pretty much um, if you're playing FFPC, it's it's kind of you're at a disadvantage if you you don't subscribe to it. And in, in my opinion. Yeah, and I I really believe that anybody doesn't matter what format you use can get benefit from Fantasy Mojo. If you want to see what a five thousand dollar league draft board looks like, if you want to see a three thousand dollar draft board, if you want to see the highest stakes five thousand dollar dynasty startup board 
where people who have a ton of skin in the game are 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 picking um then then you can use Darren's site and Darren let everybody know where they can find it. it's www.fantasymojo.com and right. what are we and, and how much are you charging this year for this it is 39.95 for an annual subscription and i am told by many people that i don't charge enough i think you could 10x that and I, a lot of FFPC players would stay on i should go to a concierge program where i cater to the, the, the 10 biggest players and they'd probably be worth they probably pay thousands of dollars and then i could just do that but you know we got to make it available for like everybody because we yeah. get people who you know a lot of the players you know especially if you're new to ffpc you gotta have it because the format is sort of unique and you need just to sign you know get your feet wet and see what's going on so you know we yeah. got to make it available for everyone yeah i billy, think the tool how is amazing how often are you there billy every day how many times per day or how many times have i used it's, it is it your home page because I, I keep a tab open for fantasy mojo pretty much like it's Nine I have it. I have it bookmarked on all three of my Gmail accounts. So no matter what I'm drafting for at whatever business I'm at, I can just click on it and get logged in. I don't do a draft without having the Stack Finder pulled up. That's my favorite tool in the industry. I think it's amazing at, at, at what you did. My only ask is if you could change this. We're doing this live, so Darren has no idea I'm about to ask this. But if we could get a total number instead of me having to count every single line of the stack it's like one yeah. two three if you could just say like 33 next to it that'd be great and i'm like yeah. oh that's 33 times you can get that if you on the left border if you click in the left margin it'll bring up a summary and it'll say oh 392 God. that's a hot tip so oh. try that click on that left border and it'll and i you. use this tool every day and i didn't know this okay yeah. awesome that's yeah, awesome it's, it's i was so like layered. counting a stack the other day i was like I was like, man, there's like, I was like, it's like, it's like between 30 and 50, right? I just right. I like, it ballparked it. And then like, I went through and counted it all. And it was like 47. Like I went yeah, line by line and counted. Margin. <laughs> that's so good, good to know. But I love this tool. You, I will be in a best ball draft and I'll pivot. I may have like two or three guys in my mind that I want to take with that given pick. And based upon whatever is least owned, I will usually select that pick unless I think, because I'll look at preemptively what's coming up on the following pick and maybe the pick after and look at where I can get unique and kind of punch in names ahead of the time as well to get unique in these builds. And so I agree with what Darren said. You are at a disadvantage if you are not using this inside drafts. The boards and ADP are all great tools as well. But the stack finder and then the research that you do as well that has like the win rates of best ball and has the successful build rates. All those things are invaluable because people will do research themselves, but they'll also just have a inclination or a hunch based upon how they draft. But this kind of puts it in perspective um, for you to see it based upon what you've already done from previous years. Like I know that I have had success with three tight end builds. I know that I've had success with 10 receiver builds. And then it is reinforced with the data that Darren provides there to show you it's those two are some of the highest win rates in the best ball pass through streets over at FFPC. And so I, I can, you know, sit here and talk about fantasy mojo all day and how much I love it because I personally use it all day. I would gladly pay more. I think $49.99 is a very reasonable price. Maybe next year. Next <laughs> year. We can also have a separate price for Billy Muzio, you know, yeah, Darren, right. you know, lock him out and make him Venmo you like a 500 bucks. We got it. We guys, we got to get after it with some of these questions. Uh, Darren's here to help us win leagues. Um, after we uh, hear for after we hear an ad from our sponsors, we're going to talk about Brees Hall, Ramondre Stevenson, and a number of players whose ADPs are shifting. 
Hey, you know, people always ask me, what's the World Series of Fantasy? What's the Super Bowl of Fantasy? And it's easy. It's the FFPC. Their signature players championship has a $6 million prize pool. And their best ball leagues start in February. And they're the answer to so many questions. Hey, what's the best place to get a Dynasty Orphan? Well, you can adopt a Dynasty Orphan at the FFPC right now. There's more orphans at the FFPC than anywhere else on the internet. That's why we partner with them. So if you want to play fantasy football for low, medium, high stakes, you love Dynasty, you love best ball, you love seasonal leagues, all types of fantasy footballers need to go to the FFPC and remember Use promo code UNDERWORLD. Promo code UNDERWORLD gets you $25 off your first team. Promo code UNDERWORLD, $25 off your first team, no matter what the format is, at the FFPC. Go get it. Welcome back to First Class Fantasy. In in about 20 minutes, Darren's going to give you Literally the best piece of fantasy football advice I've ever gotten on a podcast. Last summer, Darren was on the GOAT District with me and shared some of the waiver wire winning numbers. It literally blows my mind, guys, how good it was. But first, Darren, you're also a player. You compete with Billy and I in the Hardway League. You're a great drafter yourself. You've had a lot of success in high stakes. You got to be like us. You had to have been interested this week to see which way the money was going to move Ramondre Stevenson after the Zeke Elliott signing and where Brees Hall was going to end up, uh, you know, after Dalvin Cook ended up in New York. Um, why don't you talk about some of the the highs, the lows, and where those guys are kind of settling in? So I'm going to take data from the uh, the, the, the Fantasy Pros 350 mid-stakes turning because there's a high volume there, so you get you get a good data sampling. So over the past two days... Um, Brees Hall is is going at the four eleven ADP. A range is between four one and six two. And and one thing I want to say about ADP is ADP is like a single data point. And one of the cool things we have at our site is you can go to any ADP chart. You click on the player, and then it brings up the scatter plot, which people might have seen that. But it's it's important to know like the range because you want a range of outcomes when you go into the draft. Like you can't say, oh, I'm gonna, he'll be there at four eleven. Well, maybe maybe he won't. You need the range, so we provide the ranges. So anyway, he's going four eleven right now. In the past two days in July, he was three eight. So he's down. Brees Hall is down a little over a round on average. But like I said, he lasted the six two in one draft. So basically, yeah. what we saw was if, if I'm looking at the data, it it took like a real dip as soon as Dalvin. Um, you always see that like a knee jerk reaction, right? People go to one extreme or the other. So he really went down, but now he's, he's back up a little bit, but he's level off around four eleven. Um, and as far as Ramondre goes, his ADP in July was three, three. So he was kind of going at the beginning of the third round. His ADP now is at three, eight. So now he's shifted towards the back half uh, or the back end of, of, of the third round. His range is two, nine to four, seven. So he could go anywhere in the third round or last to the fourth round. It depends on the draft. You know, like every draft is like its own animal. Um, and, and people kind of just, you know, it, things take on a life of their own. So, but he's down about a half or, or yeah, he's down about a half a round. So I want to pick both your brains on this. Ramondre Stevenson was a very popular pick for people that wanted to start out wide receiver, wide receiver, and then anchor it out with Ramondre Stevenson. 
A lot of Justin Jefferson teams ended up with Ramondre Stevenson before his descent. And we have seen a lot of a lot of these teams where he is the RB1. Darren, how confident are you in Ramondre Stevenson right now with the Zeke signing, maintaining at least, you know, that high-end receiving work? It, yeah, he probably hasn't lost too much. I mean, because that's probably what you were counting on. You know, that's where he's going to get like the primary um, the amount of his points from. I, I really wasn't like a huge Ramondre guy to begin with. So if he's down at half a round, it's going to depend on my build in a particular draft. Um, but that to, honestly, that whole third round, the third and the fourth round with the running backs, none of them like kind of, they, they seem like traps to me. A lot of them, like I, I'm not a dead zone guy, but when I look at these guys, I'm like, I feel like waiting to the sixth round for like, you know, Cam Akers or JK Dobbins or Rashad White or Cook Pierce. I, I think a, maybe one or two top 12 guys at the end of the year is going to come from that range. Yeah. And Billy, Billy, we've been big on Ramondre Stevenson. I mean, to me personally, I, I see the receiving work staying. I don't know if he's going to catch 69 passes, but I think he's going to get 55 plus. He'll be right around 60 this year. And there's not a whole lot of target competition for him. I think that they've got to continue featuring him as a receiver out of the backfield. How confident are you in that? And what did Zeke Elliott signing there do to adjust your rankings of Ramondre? Yeah, Ramondre moved down about six spots in the running back projections, just purely based upon the numbers. And you look at it, I mean, any touch competition is never good for a running back, regardless of that running back's age. Um, in particular, Zeke has you know done well in pass protection, done well in, in short yardage and goal line. The guy falls forward a lot. So um, we can't overlook this when we were doing the projections. And I know that Zeke has seen his best days. They're behind him, but he's still going to have a role inside of this offense. They wouldn't have gone out and and, and acquired him. And so projection-wise, they have him for about 37% of the rushing shares, about 160-ish rushing attempts. Might be a little low, but I think that's about a safe number. It still gives Ramondre close to 200 rushing attempts, not quite, but 190. Um, the passing game took a little bit of a hit. Um, Ramondre last year was actually third in targets last year at 89 uh, in the league. I don't think we can expect that because Zeke does have involvement in the passing game. It's not a lot. I mean, Zeke last year only saw 23 targets, but if we even just give him 23, that's still going to eat into the Ramondre target share. So um, I think it's safe to say that Zeke probably has four to 5% target share, which is going to be that 23 to 27% or 23 to 27 target range. Um, it's going to drop Ramondre to that high 60, low 70 number, most likely. Um, and it does it just enough to where it just eats into it enough to kind of bump him down in a tier for me. Um, I still think he'll be heavily involved in the offense. I still think he'll be a focal point of this offense, but it changes that from that elite level of, of production or opportunity share to a, a point to where, as to Darren's point, it's like, Somebody in round six could have equal amount of rushing opportunity, but maybe slightly less targets. And so now it's the makes the pick less sexy, in my opinion, where like I was really on Ramondre Stevenson early in drafts and and started fading him once we saw they were looking to add running backs. This was a month ago um, in anticipation of these numbers being adjusted. So I, I think it's you can't ignore it. It has to be identified. It has to be considered when you're in draft rooms as well. Um, but it's it's not like it's going to take away everything, but it's just enough to hurt him. Yeah, to me, it's the I loved using him as like a modified Darren. You love these terms, modified anchor RB start, where I get my my anchor in the third round. Now you can't really do that with Ramondre. To me, like Billy said, 
Uh, he's got a wider range of outcomes. Let's focus over to the Jets. Brees Hall, Darren, how has the money shifted with Brees Hall? People, like, they haven't really, like I said, he's down around, but, and he's another guy that I really wasn't um, jumping on. I mean, the injury thing always kind of freaked me out. Um, but you see him, he went in, uh, Shope did the main event, and they took him in, in the late fourth. Yeah. So, and again, it's it's maybe you got to take a different, different mindset between like a best ball team and then a tournament team, because if he comes on, he's going to come on at the end of the season. And that's where you're going to get the biggest benefit. So that would probably slant my view as well. Billy, where should Brees Hall be be drafted right now? And where should Dalvin Cook be drafted right now? So Brees Hall definitely took a, a dip inside the projections. And he was one of the hardest people to project, in my opinion, because um, to Darren's point, we we have to consider the end of the season. And, of course, when the money counts in the shootout range, when it's most likely when he's going to be at his healthiest and utilized the most. Um, so you don't want to necessarily have this player beat you because he has all the skill set to beat you. Um, that being said, we can probably expect the beginning of a season, especially now more than ever, with the addition of Cook to be limited at best and maybe utilized in different packages and not so much between the tackles and not so much around the edge, more in the passing game as they let his knee and his in his uh, a bit, you know, his, his knee rest and and get his ability to cut and jump back to full health. And so I think that this has to be considered, and as Dalvin is also nearing the tail end of his um, prime and maybe past that that point, um, he's still been heavily involved in both the rushing game and the receiving game. Last year saw 39 receptions. He saw 264 attempts on the ground. Um, so this type of back in this backfield is is definitely worse for the projections than like an Ezekiel Elliott for Ramondre Stevenson. That being said, the Packers, or as you say, Rodgers when he's with the Packers and now with the Jets, I think that offense is going to look very similar. They don't go pass heavy. So they're, they're, they're going to utilize the rushing game pretty heavily, especially with the good defense, and they're going to manage the game. And so I think that we're going to see a pretty heavy usage from both backs as we get you know later in the season, and they'll probably get both of them pretty active and early and often inside of this inside of these games as they try to manage it between the backs and, and, and Rodgers you know, managing the game. Um, bottom line, Brees moved about eight spots in my projections from a running back standpoint because now I do expect – I was expecting him to see him limited the first few weeks, but now I can truly see him being very limited the first few weeks because they have a back that they can really lean into with Dalvin Cook. Um, it's the second half that's hard to project because they may feature uh, Brees Hall and he has the ability to beat you. So um, it's one of those things I'm going to completely monitor throughout the rest of the offseason and and really kind of hone in on. But I, it's it's a number that I'm constantly looking at daily and tweaking as we get more news. Yeah, Brees Hall's so insulated, guys. There are certain people that have dug their heels in. Uh, I think it's more interesting, interesting to me to see kind of where Dalvin Cook ends up because that's a guy Billy and I have been drafting late when he was unattached, and we have some Dalvin Cook bags. And we'll we have Chad Chad Schroeder back backstage. We're gonna make sure maybe Chad sees you know could bring up the D'Angelo Williams, Le'Veon Bell, the dream scenario for Brees Hall drafters where we get the the fast start from a veteran. And then we get Brees Hall bringing us the money. I don't know, guys. I think it might be an annoying split. Uh, Darren, give us a couple more guys that you see moving in ADP. Specifically, what are you seeing with Calvin Ridley these days and James Cook? These are two guys that I think there's – I've seen certain high-stakes drafters really, really digging their heels in on both of these guys. 
Um, we've seen Calvin Ridley kind of in uh, on underdog drafts. He jumped T Higgins, which I think was a big hurdle for him. And I think that that's going to happen by the time we get to Vegas. Where what do you see with Calvin Ridley now, Darren? Calvin Ridley's been steadily increasing. Um, so right now he's going pretty much into third round every draft. Uh, I mean, he started, I guess if you look back when the fantasy pros or the fantasy pros league started, he was going fifth or sixth round. Um, but he's, he's a solid, I mean, people are, people are high on him, which again, I'm a guy who's like maybe some cautionary because he's only played five games in the past two years. So to me, it feels like just based on that profile, maybe he should be like a fourth late, late fourth round guy. That's where he kind of feels like he should be. So I'm not really getting much of him because he's yeah. going in the third and people are targeting him too. Yeah. Um, I think the peaks, I mean, yeah, I've seen a couple of boards where he's like the, you know, a lot of times it's the Justin Jefferson, Calvin Ridley start. I'm starting to see that a little bit. It's wild times guys. What about, what are you seeing with James cook that, and, and anybody who wants Billy's opinion on Calvin Ridley, we've only talked about him about 30 times on first class fantasy over the last <laughs> few months. You don't need me and Billy on this one today. Where, what about James cook? Cause that is the guy that Billy and I are into. We've drafted him a lot. We were getting eighth round shares, seventh round shares, and now he's steaming up. Yeah, he's um, he'll go in the fifth round sometimes. More often, he'll go in the sixth. I, I got him in a, a, a one twenty five tourney best ball the other night at like at the end of the set, the beginning of the seventh, and I felt kind of fortunate. Um, like I like I was saying earlier, that's sixth seventh round. There's that's like a sweet spot for guys who could really could hit this year. Um, but he's like he's caught fire, and then when he ran for the touchdown, um, you know, this past weekend in the preseason game, that just added fuel to the fire. So by the time we get to uh, Vegas, I mean, he I wouldn't be surprised to see some third round shots at him. I mean, it's it's some people will just it's really do or die at that point, right? So if you're not doing a, a lot of drafts in a particular format, you're going to take a stab at him. So I, it, it's probably overblown, but people get emotional and they'll do stuff like that. Luke Musgrave, you tweeted about earlier today, two tight ends that I see steaming up are, and I highly recommend some of the tight end episodes Billy and I have dropped. We had one with Matt Schof and, and Dan Williamson that was awesome. Billy and I did one, just the two of us, that was also equally awesome. Um, so we dove into the tight end position, but two guys that have steamed up big time since we did those episodes are Luke Musgrave. Uh, Dwayne McFarlane, I think, is leading that. And Jake Ferguson, who was kind of a low-hanging fruit and now people are kind of realizing that Jake Ferguson is the dude in Dallas. Uh, why don't you talk about their ascent, Darren, for our tight end premium uh, listeners? Yeah, so Luke Musgrave went from being undrafted or like a late round dart throw. And I just noticed this this morning. I was looking at a main, a main event board and I was like, Luke Musgrave is like in the 11th round. Like, what is going on? And then I looked at the chart and it's like going up a mountain. And it's a st- it's a, it wasn't like there was an event that happened that caused that. I call it the hype curve and it's just been a steady ascent, you know, since the beginning of August, he's just climbed up now to the 11th round. And I, it, this is hype, right? I don't know where it's coming from. Is, is McFarlane the guy who's pumping him up? Like, so well, this- there's, there's a number of people, Jared Smola likes him. Dwayne McFarlane likes him. I have Jared coming on next week. Um, if anybody wants to watch on, on press coverage, but there's a couple of people talking about the route participation. He's going to be on the field the entire time. He's going to run. He's going to have like an 80% snap share. He's going to run every route, um, and he's way ahead of Tucker Craft. And it's also an ambiguous target situation with the two, the rookie wide receiver. Uh, people don't know if Watson can handle more than 130 targets, 
and we don't know what Romeo Dubs is going to handle. So I think Musgrave, like Musgrave, is a hell of an athlete, and he's from the same hometown as Billy Muzio, Bend, Oregon. How could <laughs> wow. you not love the Bend, Imagine Oregon, that. Billy Muzio, Luke Musgrave connection? Yeah, I liked him much better in round nineteen and twenty than I do in round eleven. I'm not taking shares in round eleven as much. I like the kid. Sorry, won't do it. But the um, I. I the hype curve is the perfect way to say it, Darren. I was looked everywhere to see if I was missing news or what happened, if someone else got hurt. And it's just, he's just climbing for unknown reasons that are positive vibes, though, but Billy. Like, it's, I, I think I'll push back on you two guys. Like, I think it's like, uh, the, when we look at the back end tight ends, you know, we want the guys who, who have a, a high upside. And if he's going to be on the field the entire time, guys. With yeah, that those, sort of those positive vibes are going to be real negative when you're looking at that that red line that your bottom line come in the it's air at around 11 in the first week. <laughs> there you go, guys. Well, well, you put a little water on it. This is a little another quick reason why it's very manufactured. If you go go back to our Hardway Best Ball draft in January, 28 rounds, nobody drafted him. So we're, with all these dynasty like talent sharks, nobody drafted him in that draft that 28 rounds. So it could have well, been the landing spot, but yeah, I mean. A, a big shout like a out coming out. Big shout out in the chat. We have um Nick Constantino from the Go Bills, the back the back-to-back FFPC main event champions. He subscribes to Fantasy Mojo. And I know Chad Schroeder does as well. So I think that you know people should follow the money and 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 uh definitely subscribe. And one cool thing you have is the stack finder, the stack builder. Why don't you talk about a couple of the common stacks? And one thing we're seeing a ton, an absolute ton of Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes stacks. Billy and I have talked about this the last few weeks with a number of really sharp guests. We had Nelson Sousa on. We talked with him about it. Like last year, Patrick Mahomes was QB3 in ADP, um, and he was also going rounds lower. Travis Kelsey didn't cost you quite as much. Now, if I play FFPC, Darren, I've got to use my first-round pick on Travis Kelsey, and it's got to be a top-five pick. And then I've got to take Patrick Mahomes in the second round or hold my breath and take him in the third. At the very least, he's gone by the mid-third. How common is this stack? And do you see like the really common high-priced stacks cashing often? Like, you know, and again, you don't need to pull up every year on this one, but in your historical perspective, do you think this is one that's gonna pay off or potentially burn people? Well, it's tough to go historically because we haven't seen quarterbacks like going this early historically. Yes. But and this is probably the worst kept secret at this point. The the Kelsey Mahomes stack last year and in, in the main event and the football guys like they advanced to the championship round between like sixty and seventy percent. So it was like it's like you get that golden ticket. And I, maybe that's what people are doing at this point. I think you got to have at least one, right? I got just, one. Just yeah, you got to. Everybody's got to have one. Um, now now people are getting sharper and going in other directions, like trying to you know pull leverage. But uh, but even last, like a similar thing last year was. Um, you said Mahomes was was later, but Josh Allen was very expensive at the end of the year, right? He was he yes. was getting into the second third round, and that Allen dig stack was that still crushed it too. So it, you know if if those players hit, they're going to hit. It's going to be the guys who are doing the other stacks. Like somebody's going to get screwed because the, the highest stacks right now in a, in a fantasy pros, um, Mahomes Kelsey is owned in forty percent of the leagues. Lamar Jackson, Mark Andrews is 30% of the leagues. Burrow Chase, 25%. Allen Diggs, 25%. And again, it's it's influenced by like where you can get them in the flow of the draft. On the other side of the spectrum, the um 
Jalen Hurts, A.J. Brown stack is still very low owned. It's only owned in 8% of the leagues just because Hurts, you know, A.J. Brown's going to go towards back end of the first round. Hurts rarely makes it back to the end of the third, so you can line him up. So people are usually having to jump ADP to get to pull that off. And I saw somebody, God, I really wish I, I remembered who tweeted. I think it was Aaron um, tweeted that he loved Fantasy Mojo and the the one stack that has not been completed, Billy, this is your, you got to get one of these before the end of the summer, Billy. AJ Brown, Jalen Hurts, Devonta Smith. I don't think that there's one right now, Darren, because you'd have to reach big time to take AJ Brown um, in order to pull that one off. I think you'd have to take AJ at like the, the 103. Yeah, and but somebody could, did that in the main event. And then... Yeah. um. The guy, the guy in twos, like f you, like you're not getting it. And he took <laughs> Jalen Hurts at two, even before Patrick Mahomes was drafted. So you're gonna like in a main event, that's a ballsy move. I don't know that I could do that. Yeah, it's I love I love looking at the the stacks like on your stack stack finder and try to get like the kind of unique um like and you talked about like Mark Andrews, Lamar Jackson. You know, you'll start seeing Lamar, Lamar Jackson, Zay Flowers. You talked about the Burrow Chase, like pivoting to Burrow Higgins, like. Your site gives us that sort of information. We're, we're coming up to the, the end of our segment with you. Chad's in the waiting room, but I want to talk to you about the most important thing that you're ever, if, if like, write this down, people. This is the most important information you're going to get on any single podcast this summer, and you're getting it right here on First Class Fantasy. Darren, you track the waiver wire winning bids, and I think it's cool when you look at it like, hey, what, what was the average bid you know, that won me Elijah Mitchell? or won me, you know, one of these hot names. But Darren, what was the winning numbers? Break it down for us for okay. the numbers we should be bidding if we want to win guys in, in waiver wire bids. So I'll probably do more fleshed out analysis of this and give you like the, the numbers for like every number, but it's not the winning numbers. It's like there's human factors involved here. Like when you're literally ending your bids, people are going to do what's easiest for them. So there's numbers to avoid knowing that. Okay. One any bid ending in one is the worst because everybody puts 11, 21, 31, whatever. One is, is the majority of bids end in one. All right. Doubles are bad. 22, 33, 44. Like what, what's easy when somebody's doing 100 leagues? That's what they're typing in. Then incrementing numbers, 12, 23, 34, 45, just because it's the, the, the keys are literally close on your keyboard. That's why people are putting those in there. Um, the, the one number that you might want to defer to if you're entering a bird, entering a bid that's kind of low owned six people don't like six. So 26 is, is like a good bid. Like if you don't want to do 21, do 26. It's just end it in a six. It's a teeny edge. And I, I'll tell you that the, you were talking about the, the main event guys, they called out specifically all the waiver wire information that we put out there. So every week we accumulate all the winning waiver wire bids and we got all sorts of charts but they're very into that. So really you need every edge you can, not just in the draft season, but during, you know, uh, setting lineups and waiver season as well. So, so you you're so, so six. So end your waiver wire bid in a six. When in doubt, put a six. <laughs> and the worst number is zero is one or zero is kind of bad too. One is but the worst. One is guys. the worst. Well, what about one's Josh Gordon, thousand dollar bids? Like we saw last year. <laughs> You know, there's, don't do those. people don't know that's people not knowing how fab works. That's a whole nother topic. That's a sad day. That's a sad day. Uh, Darren, this was amazing. Um, guys, make sure you subscribe to fantasy mojo, fantasy mojo.com. And you can find uh, him at fantasy mojo on Twitter. 
Um, follow him all summer. Darren, I can't wait to uh, to see you in Vegas. And um, let everybody know again where they can find you. Yep, fantasymojo.com is the website. Hit the virtual tour there. You'll see everything we have. And at Fantasy Mojo on Twitter. And Billy says I need to raise the price, but I'm not doing that. Maybe next year we'll read Just that. for Billy. Just for, Just Billy. for Billy. Yeah. I'm going to a commission ba- a commission uh, based fee for Billy and the main event champs. Thank you. Kind of winnings. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for, for what you do, Darren. You're the man. And um, thanks, Darren. We right. have we have uh Chad Schroeder in the in the waiting room. Um, and when we come back, we're gonna chop it up with the best player to ever play fantasy. Um, our friend Chad Schroeder, he's gonna help you with some of the winning strategies you need to win your league this season. See you in Vegas, Darren. All right, see you guys. Hey, you're in your fantasy draft and someone says, Hey, that guy's injury prone. I don't want him. And you're like, ah, I don't know. I don't think you can predict injuries. Well, guess what? Now you can! Injury proneness is real! At Player Profiler, we have the data on these players, and it's all in the injury finder app. Their injury track record back through time, exactly where they were injured, how severe it is. We look at the BMI data, and we crunch it all together, and we give you probabilities that a player will miss multiple games this NFL season, as well as the complete database of NFL injuries and the ability to compare two players and look at their injury track record. The injury finder is powerful, and it's only five bucks. If it's worth it to have that peace of mind when you're drafting, go get it. Welcome back to First Class Fantasy. I hope you enjoyed that segment with Darren Armani, Fantasy Mojo. Um, and I'm we're pleased to be joined by Chad Schroeder. Chad has won everything. Um, <laughs> he, he has won an FFPC. He's won an NFFC. He's won an FFWC. And he's taken down some uh, probably big prizes in formats that no longer exist. Chad's been doing it for a long time. He's extremely been extremely generous with me and coming on the podcast that I'm involved in. Uh, he came on the Goat District recently earlier this week. Highly recommend that one. He's come on the Goat District with me multiple times over the years, and I've really, really enjoyed hearing his perspective on the game. Billy and I competed against Chad last year in a draft, and it was a lot more fun podcasting with with Chad than it is competing with you week in, week out. But uh, Chad, welcome to First Class Fantasy. Uh, it's really great to have you on, man. How you doing? Good to be here. And you start late in the game, Chad, like... A lot of people like we've we've talked to state start drafting in May. They they draft heavily in June. When do you get started um, with your draft process? Um, August uh, August first, um, and then it takes me usually several days just to register all my tests, and then I get going. No, that's awesome. Um, and then what, the way you're doing it, Chad, like you do a bunch of three fifties to start out or is it another process you have? No. Um, I usually, uh, slam through as many best balls as I can in a short amount of time just to try to get familiar with the player pool a little bit better. Um, and I haven't done any, I, I've done one mid stakes FFWC, but I haven't done any of the NFFC or the, um, fantasy pros contest yet. Um, but I, I've done some FFWC main events and some FFPC main events so far. So, um, I'll probably, I'm going to try to sneak in some of those lower dollar ones when the, when those people move to their main events and try to find time against some weaker opponents, uh, later on. But I don't know if I'll have time to do that or actually or not. 
that's uh, that's awesome. And um, Billy, Billy, like you've competed against Chad in, in many of these leagues. Um, you know, is there any tendencies you can put on Chad? Because I'll say that I think Chad, you're you're you know, correct me if I'm wrong. You're very open. You have like an open drafting strategy. A lot of people we talk to have like we had Nelson Seuss on. He has the fade list. Certain people have draft strategies. They certainly want to walk out with a zero RB build or a hero RB build. Would you consider yourself a specific style, a value-based drafter? Like how, how, how have you come to be over the years? Um, you know, it, it's, I think that it's a blend of a few things. Um, I'm, I, I don't eliminate guys. Certain guys will have to fall further than, than others to before I'll consider them. Um, this year I am having a harder time identifying the, those types of guys that I um, in the past, I've like Debo last year was screaming out as I don't draft really unless he really falls. So I never had to worry about it. But um, I'm struggling to identify those guys at this point. It's a little uneasy, but um, but I, I try to, you know, get, get unique by taking guys that fall in certain drafts. Um, and that leads to unique combinations, um, just like other people are forcing the unique combinations. Mine's just kind of the opposite. I don't know what combinations it's going to end up being from draft to draft. I don't, you know, when you don't, you know, I don't have a plan going into anything. And so sometimes I'll, and I'm not, t- I'm, I'm very willing and stubborn in a way um, that I'll keep taking the, what I think is the sweet spot of the draft at that time. I'll, I'll keep doing it. Um, and cause it usually at some point in the draft, it'll correct itself. But sometimes I get jammed up and it never does. And, and uh, you know, as Billy was in a draft from the other night, I was at the, at the end. And it's sometimes when you're at the end, you, you got to maybe balance your team better than I did the other night, but, um, but I'm stubborn and, and I like to take guys that are past ADP that, are palatable to me. And Billy, you've had a similar scenario on this where you seem to be open to taking guys that are certain sometimes falling and sometimes pivoting off of like what the market is doing. Maybe talk about that a little, Billy. Yeah, it depends. I think partly if I'm drafting solo or if I'm also drafting with, with Dave, we have uh, different philosophies when we draft together and different philosophies when we draft solo, because we know that we're able to kind of consume more ownership by doing this. Um, I believe in kind of both sides of what Chad's talking about. I believe in getting the value, but also creating um, unique situations and builds as well. And and as to Chad's point, yes, forcing it at times with, I go in with a plan of knowing what I want to accomplish. Um, you know, I, I think there's a lot of value to be had in, in Chad's point about getting unique combinations and players that can't be replicated by forcing and that's by taking the, the 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 later picks right like how many round eight james cooks are there nowadays there's none right and so by you know drafting early we can acquire and take advantage of adp to a point to where we can we can get these players that are going to be um unbuildable in august drafts or september drafts um when you look back at you know like my third place finish in the best ball tournament two years ago I think I had eight players that were being selected in the top three rounds come August and September that were just physically impossible to duplicate based upon the average draft position. Um, so there's advantages. There's also disadvantages to doing that because, you know, you could have had 
five players that were injured as well. And so um, you have, you know, to kind of balance that. But um, I am not a believer in forcing one way or the other. I think that you can be uh, successful in both strategies and you may want to balance them as well. Because if I go in and force picks, I'm never going to be able to take advantage of the players drafting because I may have forced something that now running back may have fallen in a draft. And, and here I am selecting running back, even though I don't need running back because the value is there. And so I think being flexible is the most important piece when drafting. And you could go in with a vision or a mindset of having a stack in mind. But if the draft board is just falling to you a certain way, you need to capitalize on that and take advantage of the way the board is falling. Here's the secret, guys. Any strategy works if you pick the correct players in fantasy football. <laughs> and any uh, podcast telling you otherwise is wrong. Because <laughs> every year it's different in terms of you know who the 20-point-per-game guys are. And every year it's different in terms of like where the value pockets of quarterback are. So pick correct players build the best possible build and that's that's how it's going to go and this year you know it might be a, a hero rb team that wins it all it might be a zero rb team it might be a three rb start we don't know until you know the until people start playing football and chad you know one question we've asked every single guest and I, and you're a little unique to this because you start a little bit later in the game but if there was one player in football right now that you could know their final stats for Maybe one player giving you a bunch of problems in terms of evaluating them, or maybe one player whose performance could unlock their teammates. We've had a gr- bunch of great responses to this question, um, you know, throughout the course of the summer. I'm really curious who who's what, the one guy you wish you could know about. Well, besides the obvious Jacobs and Taylor, uh, uh, I would say uh, Anthony Richardson came to mind. Um, I'd like to know what 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 his fantasy scores are, but also what his passing stats are because um, a reasonably talented player like Pittman's going, you know, in the seventh, eighth round or something like that. Um, So he cannot, like, is he capable of supporting anybody or, or, or not? I kind of, you know, and then is the thing yards going to be, uh, all everybody's cracking it up to be. So that's just kind of a, a guy with a wide range of outcomes that I would like to see his stats if I could. I love the Richardson a- answer. And, and Billy, kind of Richardson's name starter. Um, you know, a w- couple months back, we we thought maybe it could be a Minshew starter too, but that kind of ship sailed pretty quickly when the draft capital uh, and the way the coaching staff kind of backed him up. Where do you, What do you think about Richardson right now as part of your draft process, part of your draft plan? We could pivot this to best ball. You've been drafting a ton of best ball uh, in the in the FFPC best ball contest. Have you been, uh, you know, drafting Anthony Richardson when he's presented to you um, at ADP? Not at cost. This is where I pull the the Chad Schroeder hat on. I put the Chad Schroeder hat on, and and I'll take him in like round eleven when he falls there, and his wish is not very frequently. But that's where I'm typically comfortable taking him is that ten eleven turn. Um, it's happened a few times, but. I have a lot of doubts with Anthony Richardson. I think he is immensely athletic and is going to have a lot of rushing upside. But I, I saw the way he threw in college. We saw the preseason game. He struggled mightily. Um, he never once completed more than 59% of balls in college. That number is not going to go up in the NFL. It's only going to go down. Um, and so I could see a scenario where he has you know 22 to 2,100 passing yards um, and if they don't have a JT back there, um, and even if they do, we could see defenses loading up the box to force him to throw the ball more. And so I have 
I'm maybe a little bit more of a hesitation when drafting Richardson because I think there's two sides of this coin. As much as he has upside, I think the downside is just equal. Um, and we could also see a scenario where maybe he enters a game and he's, you know, two for two for 11 or two for 10, and, you know, it's started. Maybe he has a couple picks um, and we could see maybe Minshew enter the game because um, they just aren't happy with the the progress that Anthony Richardson is making. And, and I do believe that he's probably the future of the franchise, but there's a lot to be said about coaches needing to win to secure their jobs. And at what point do they want to rely on this kid's development in order for them to keep their head coach job? And so there's a lot that you have to consider outside of just the draft pick and the talent. And, and I could see a scenario where any of this is possible. Um, the scenario that I don't think is possible is him having a 60 to 65% completion percentage, which I think is what it'll take for him to return value because he's going to need to run for a thousand yards. He's going to need to see eight rushing touchdowns if he doesn't eclipse that 3000 yard mark. And I think it's going to be hard, hard to do quite frankly. So for me with Richardson, I think he's going at a somewhat affordable price based on the upside. And Billy, like for me, I've been able to pair him with a Geno Smith, uh, a player like that because they're both getting kind of pushed down to like when it goes to Sean Watson. And then there's that massive tear break to the next quarterback selected. I have a number of two quarterback builds that I'm okay with. So I I agree. There's definitely some, like what Chad said, there's a big range of outcomes in what's going to happen, but he could be the kind of guy that once his feet are wet in the second half of the season, you, you don't want him on your bench. Like he's ripping off the long runs. He's acclimated to the offense. Um, and like, you know, with the Jonathan Taylor situation, how is Jonathan Taylor going to cohabitate that backfield? Is Anthony Richardson taking the goal line work away from him? I think there's a lot of like potential positive outcomes there, too. Um, let's pivot to offenses in general. Chad, so, you you know, you're, you're a guy that's not necessarily drafting, but you're deeply involved in the NFL and knowing what's going on throughout the course of the summer, the beginning of the summer. Every year we see certain offenses beat expectations and push multiple players up um, in ADP, you know, last year we saw Philadelphia obviously is the big example of this with, you know, Jalen Hurts league winner, Devonta Smith league winner at cost, AJ Brown smash ADP, Miles Sanders smash ADP. Same thing happened with Miami. Same thing happen- happens with Jacksonville. Same thing happens with Seattle. So it happened a lot last year. What offense do you think is a little bit underrated right now where maybe you look at it, you think a couple of these guys look enticing where they're going in drafts? Um, I think one, uh, I got a couple that are lower radar ones, but um, I think that no, nobody would be surprised if the Bears take a big – you hear a lot of people talking about them. Um, wouldn't shock me in the least. Um, I mean, they were rough to watch with their lack of weapons last year. I mean, the first four or five games, they would – like they played the Packers on Sunday night football, and I, it's not really in my DNA to miss an NFL game, but – that was challenging to watch them just run the ball, you know, 40 times and never pass. Um, but once they started putting him in the shotgun and letting him play a little bit, um, they showed shines. They showed signs of uh, being better. And now they have a whole lot more weaponry with more. And if Claypool can make a few plays here and there um, to go with Mooney and commit that that's a, uh, I don't really think they miss Montgomery uh, all that much. Um, so that's one obvious one. Um, and then um, I think the Falcons have a chance to be real good on offense. Um, powerful running game. The, the play actions are going to be really, really tough to with Pitts in London. 
Um, if Ritter can just be somewhat serviceable, and I think he can be, that that offense is going to be very tough to stop. Um, and then uh, those play actions are just going to be devastating. And then um, I also think the Giants um, can take a step up. It seemed like the first half of the season, they were, it was smoke and mirrors, and they were get, making some fluky plays each game to, to have the lead, and they were just kind of trying to get through the game with Barkley running the ball. And, and then uh, at some point, I think they realized that their upside is uh, not good enough to, to win playoff football games if we don't start opening it up. And they were started to open up when they found Hodgins, and he's not exactly a world beater, but he was a lot better than what they had before. He could at least get open a little bit. But now you got Waller, and, and they have uh, different receiving types of options. Um, I th- And they're talking about using Barkley more in the passing game. I think they're going to open up that offense and let Jones play the whole year. And he was a pretty good quarterback down the stretch once they did open it up with when Hodgins got in there and uh, Slayton started playing a little bit better. No, I love I love those answers. I'll I'll, I'll say Atlanta's interesting, Billy, because you know they have Bijan Robinson. I'm higher on him than than you are at cost. But the two receivers are we can't deny the talent with Drake London and and, and Kyle Pitts. Um, we have concerns about the passing volume. Is there a scenario where both can hit? if there's a ton of consolidation in the target share. Yeah. I mean, there's always a, a scenario. Um, the likelihood of, I think, being just three targets is unlikely. I still think we're going to see ancillary pieces like Mac Hollins involved. We're still going to see Cordell Patterson get a couple targets here and there. We're still going to have Tyler Algier on the field. None of these guys are going to completely disappear. Um, when, when we look at target share and we look at distribution, we have to account for the 3%, the 4%, the 7%, the 6%. And those add up over the course of time with different players. Um, I think it's more than people want to admit when it comes to this team. Um, you know, I, I, and again, I, I think Bijan's an Im- immensely talented individual, but people thinking he's going to come out year one as a rookie and get 100 targets is just unrealistic. Um, and, and unrealistic expectations, especially with this offense that is projected to have some of the lowest passing volume in the league. Um, if we extrapolate Ritter's 28 and a half passing attempts all season, he's not going to eclipse the 500 mark. And so I think even if we give him, you know, positive regression, it's it's still going to be a challenge for these guys, especially in the passing game, to return significant value. Now, I think London um, and Pitts have, you know, good options of, of consistently seeing, you know, the majority of the targets um, my main concern is is the is 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 the rushing volume and I should say overall team plays and the passing volume that Bijan's going to get. Um, I think he's talented. I think he's going to be extremely well. He's you know a top dynasty pick. I have a little hesitation taking him in the first round of drafts um, because we're going to need to see him probably eclipse that fifty catch mark, probably in that eighty targets, high seventy target range, and that's the part that I'm just having difficulty. When looking at the projections and the numbers wise, just because I don't think that is a likely outcome. Um, now they may, you know, prove me wrong and target him over everybody in this backfield, including Patterson and maybe even over the slot receiver at times. But it's it's just an unlikely scenario when we look at his the his, the history and we look at the the math. It just don't think it adds up for me. Bijan Robinson to the moon, guys. For me, either is uh, 
And, and by the way, regarding the Falcons, I'm not necessarily saying that it's going to unlock greatness in fantasy world. I'm, I guess I was more talking in real world. It's going to be tough for them to, to be stopped. Um, Ch- Chad, did you say that it didn't, the math didn't add it for you either with Bijan? Is that what you said? Yeah, the, one of the reasons why for me um, – no, I'm still taking him. I don't want to be naked on him. You have to. I can yeah. see being wrong, but I even think I took him in that draft we were in the other night. You did. 12. 12. <laughs> um, but I see their passing game coming off play action a lot. And right. guess who doesn't get the ball when it's play action? The back. The back. So well, I took Bijan Robinson at the 109 in an FFPC main event last week, guys. It felt incredible. And I, and I love it. And I want you both on that Bijan train by the time we uh, we're drafting in, in Vegas, um, guys. I want to I want to also ask you, Chad. Like, so you come a little bit late to the party in terms of drafting. When you started drafting, who was the player that you were most surprised at was so steamed up in ADP, and who's a player that you saw and said, "Wow, I can't believe they're getting drafted this low." I can't really speak for steaming up, but. Some guy, a guy that just struck me as being a, a, he just doesn't really belong where he was going initially when I first saw it was Amari Cooper in the third round. Thank you. Uh, That just looked out of place with some of the names around him. That, um, and then, uh, on another veteran on the flip side, um, and he is starting to move up now, but initially when I saw where he was going was Odell Beckham. I thought that he was going far too low, but I think it's starting to crack now on him. But. Where are you at with Ridley? Um, my my gut says that um, I'm somewhere in between where he's going and 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 what Darren had to say about him earlier. Um, I uh, like I, I clearly at this point like Higgins more, and I think you're right. It's trending towards that flip flop. Uh, that you guys mentioned it, those guys are going to probably be flopped here pretty soon. So that's going to be a key uh, inflection point for me is to determine how often I want to uh, go, which direction there. I think that's a big decision um, forthcoming in a lot of drafts. Um, I, uh, they, they have a lot of good players on that offense and, uh, and Lawrence throws it so quick, you know, he get, they get the ball out quick. Um, it's not like he's locking on Ridley and, and giving him a bunch of time to get open. He's going to throw it to the open guy quickly. And I just don't, I'm a little uneasy that they have that you, you don't know that's going to be Ridley often enough with, with all those weapons out there. Shout out to Flo. I'm, I'm lower on, I'm probably a little lower on Kirk also, and a little bit higher on Zay Jones than where he's going. I think that, uh, the gap's just too wide, but. So shout out to Floasaurus. That was actually a Billy Muzio question. So I don't take credit for that Ridley one with a Darren Armani. That was an ADP question. So give me a pass here in the chat, guys. Chad, one thing that we talk about a lot is stacks and correlation. When you're building your teams, how much do you want to like when you select your quarterback or potentially when you select a wide receiver early? Are you looking to pair these players up with a quarterback? Are you looking to build correlation of some kind? Or does this sort of thing, you know, draft specific for you? Um, I've never uh, been one to unnaturally stat guys. 
if I can get the stacks uh, after ADP or very, very close to ADP, and there's nothing else that I clearly think is a better play, um, then I'll go ahead and do it. But I, I, uh, you know, I've always been a guy that, you know, anything can happen. Any combination of players can get hot in the shootout. Um, granted, it is nice to have that quarterback and, and a, at least one weapon to stack points quickly, but um, my main thing at, at first and foremost is to try to get out of my league and into the race. Um, and I just think that sometimes people get a little too carried away watching these live draft podcasts and so forth. Like it's, they're making a, a pick in the third round, like talking about, well, we'll be able to stack this guy in the seventh round or, or eighth. It just, it seems like a fool's errand to, to me a little bit, especially if you're t- turning down uh, a bet, you know, better players that um, are yeah, there. Basically, yeah. Basically don't reach to stack stacking when, when it kind of presents itself to you. I think that's been pretty much, you know, the philosophy of a lot of the really successful players we've had on. And, and I actually think it's chilled out a little bit. I think like two years ago, people were forcing these mega stacks. You'd see them a lot on the high stakes boards. I, I feel like, now people have kind of cooled off a little bit. It's really, we've it never really like seen all the rage to me. But. I've seen. I, I feel like I've seen it where it's not where I. I feel like it's like a like a two player max. Like for at least from the from like the the main events and stuff. Well, another thing I don't understand uh, completely is why people think that team stacks are good. Can you explain to me like why you would why why it's good to have Burrow mix in and Chase on the same team yeah it's particularly for week 17 so assuming and this is to your point chad assuming that you make it to the shootout uh rather than just winning your division or getting out of your league if you make it to the shootout like the money was um two years ago was the kansas city and and Bengals week 17 stack which we get again and if you make it out of your league and you get to week 17 and now you have this piece of the um highest potential scoring game in week 17 where now all the money matters because you're not carrying like an underdog for instance we're not carrying over our season average we're going in with just the points for that given week and if you have all the pieces for this offense on this high and scoring piece and they all come out and it's this blowout game you know 38 40 points each side the theory is is that you're getting pieces of all of that and that you could potentially put you over the top with stacking because you're getting double points from those scores from the quarterback and the receiver position Threading I, I the needle, the the needle. quarterbacks. I just don't understand like the, I mean, mixing, I suppose can catch a touchdown pass. He definitely possible. Oh yeah. It's definitely negative. If you do it with the running back as yes. well. Yes. Agreed on that. That's what I don't understand is what these people do. I, I mean, maybe the running back on the other team, right. Is good. I, but again, though, it, it, best ball is one thing where each week's a, a week of its own. And uh, so I get stacking like Higgins chase both because Maybe one guy carries you through one week. The other guy does it the next week. Burrow's included on both. But um, I don't get the running back being included in those stacks necessarily. Um, There's very few. There's like Eckler's. Eckler and Herbert Herbert would be the one. Um, Great question in the the chat, guys, from Ryan C. Two guys that we've seen steam up recently are are Alvin Kamara and Javante Williams. Um, You know, Kamara looked pretty good in the preseason game and the suspension was only three games. Um, and we've seen Javante Williams is an, a miraculous 
uh, recovery. He's going to apparently play this weekend, um, and he's moved up to the sixth round. Um, again, I have an eighth round Javante Williams main event share, so pointless to draft them anymore, guys. But where are you at, Billy, on, on Javante and Kamara right now? Javante has exceeded my expectations in getting back onto the field. Um, I still have some concerns just because that injury and the history suggests that we're not going to see a top 20 performance. Uh, we've only had two of you know history um, with with the ACL injury, and that was Adrian Peterson and Jamal Charles. Uh, we've actually had zero in regards to all three of those injuries, which was the PCL, LCL, and ACL. Um, and so history would suggest that he's not going to have a top 20 season. That being said, he's way ahead of schedule. He's young. He's in an offense that's probably ascending with a new offensive coach and new new offensive coordinator and and you know a quarterback that has has shown that he's able to do it in the past. Um, I'm higher on this offense than most people are, but I do think that we have to be concerned with any knee injury coming off of injury because of the lateral agility and the cuts and the jumps. Um, so I have concerns with Javante. I think where he's going is probably a little higher than I'm. Mm want to take him he's been climbing you know i probably should have pulled the trigger earlier when he was going in rounds 10 um but i didn't back then because i didn't think he was going to be ready until like weeks five or six and so um that bit me but now i can't chase him up board so he's a player i'm gonna make i'm gonna make beat me chad where are you out on kamara and javante interested i'm interested in kamara i have i'm struggling to land him i'm like the way i draft he's it's like catching a falling sword and I'm always a little behind, but, um, but, uh, Williams, uh, I have a hard time with him. I mean, um, you know, look at, look back to the, when Peyton was with the saints, he always wanted to get uh, Ingram in there with Kamara. Um, and, um, P Ryan's a really good player, I think. Um, so he's going to, you know, I don't know that how much worse he's really is than Javante. I mean, he was very, very productive when he got a chance and looked a lot better than Mixon when he got the bulk of the work. Um, so I, I just don't see it. I don't see it adding up. I'm still drafting Piran um, as he starts to drop as Fonte's moving up. Um, Williams could always get another injury, and then uh, Piran would be very good play. And he's um, just because he's back now doesn't mean that there can't be something else happen when overcompensation or whatnot but i am shocked that he's doing this good by all accounts but it's one thing to be able to run fast and it's another thing to be able to cut like you used to his game was predicated on that Uh, check out top 10 injury takeaways where the pod father matt kelly had deepak chona dr deepak chona who also joined billy muzio and i last uh last thursday uh with andrew cooper on first class fantasy uh deepak chona is dropping incredible injury analysis. Um, and he had some very interesting things to say about why these running backs are able to come back so quickly from um, so from surgery. So if you're into uh, anything injury-related, highly recommend that one. Chad, one thing I think is super interesting about your strategy is you ha- we've had guys on First Class Fantasy like Nelson Sousa, Abibag Batoba, um, Scott Connor, who plays high-volume dynasty and high-volume redraft, um, high-stakes guy, and there's been a ton of them, and some of them will meticulously track their ownership percentage. They don't want to get over a certain exposure to a guy, and maybe it's a sliding scale based on rounds one through 20. Billy, you're very, very good with, with knowing what exposure you have to a guy. 
I'm checking it for best ball for redraft. I'm a little bit more open to, you know, drafting the same guy over and over again, especially in the back half of a draft. But Chad, you've had pretty much a, you don't seem to really track it. Maybe talk about your philosophy with that. Well, I, I believe that the market does a good job of getting the order of the players correct for the most part. So I have every day an order of how the players should come off the board at the positions and I stick to it that day. Um, and then I'll adjust it every day. Um, and where I have to do a better job sometimes is like, if I'm let's just say, for instance, I, I can't differentiate between uh, Lamb and AJ Brown and St. Brown and Wilson and Adams. Let's say that I have them all in the same bucket. Um, if I have them in the same order, uh, I, I just got to be careful about, other, about like, let's say I have Lamb first, then I'm going to end up with Lamb way more than everybody else. Um, and if I have Adams last, I'm never going to hardly get him unless it falls just a particular way. So those types of things, I have to be a little bit more careful. Um, but um, all in all, I, I believe in what I'm doing is right for that day. And therefore, I just stick with it and don't worry about it. I also have a very uh, favorable uh, investment deal. Um, and my partner, silent partner, wants me to be aggressive because he believes in my um you've won a few leagues over the years haven't you chad i mean we don't i've won him a lot of money so um he prefers that i be aggressive and and go for it than uh being safe so um knowing that if i have a horrible year and everything goes horribly wrong he's gonna lose two-thirds of the money and me one-third that helps me be aggressive and not worry about the ownership percentages the the way i draft though it it pretty much uh it's hard to get too high on anybody yeah, I mean, if you're in a, a somewhat value-based approach to drafting, then it's going to kind of, you know, keep you where you're not necessarily reaching for a guy and doing all that sort of thing. Um, it's definitely interesting to hear the philosophies of some of the most successful players. Um, Chad, you know, we're seeing an incredible enthusiasm for wide receiver this year. Um, you know, a few years back, you go back to like 2018, 2019, you know, the RB10 would have been drafted right, right around pick 12. Now you're seeing the RB10 go in the third round. So the, sh- the game has shifted. But do you think that there's viability in RB, RB starts right now? Uh, will you build any of your teams that way? or um, And your thoughts on it? Because, Billy, you know, we talked about this a little bit. Like, you can have an Eckler-Saquon team right now. You can have a Bijan Robinson-Tony Pollard team. I have a CMC-Saquon Barkley team. Like, these teams are are very doable but then you feel like you're playing a little bit of catch up at wide out. Do you see it that way, Chad? Um, I, I think it, it depends on the format a great deal. Um, so let's say FFPC just for FFPC. Yeah. I, I'm more open to it. Um, I, I, I would even at certain times, if that's what they forced me to do, um, like if, if the extreme values are falling at running back there, there's times that I'll be four out of five running backs through five rounds. It's not what I prefer to do, but um, I will do it. And I, I believe those are going to be unique teams as well if, if that's who happens to play well if I make it. Um, so there's different ways to get unique. And mine, again, is just by getting guys that sh- shouldn't be there when I at my turn to pick and, uh, and, and that I at least don't hate. So. Billy, your thoughts? I've just been toying with this a little bit. I haven't been able to pull the trigger on it. 
I have a Bijan Robinson Jameer Gibbs team now in a main event, but that was the you know the late first, late third. So it's not like a true RBRB start. And there was a wide receiver sandwiched in. Are you open to this strategy, Billy? Um, or is this do you feel like you're playing a little too much catch up this year? Yeah, I'm totally fine with it. I, I think, again, Chad and I are in different situations with volume compared to most drafters to where we can get unique and build different roster constructions. But I think that ultimately, if you were doing one bullet or two bullets or three bullets, um, you could draft somebody like it's harder to get CMC and Barkley now today than it was a couple of weeks ago. But um, if if you did have the opportunity to get like Eckler Barkley is still very doable. Um, these are two backs that could potentially be number two and three in overall uh, targets um, in the league. And I think that it makes sense for certain backs. Um, you know, I'd be fine with like a Chubb and Pollard. I'd be fine with a Barkley Eckler. I'd be fine kind of a, a, any kind of combination of those four that it's pretty easy to do right now in drafts today um, simply because of their uh, involvement in the passing game as well as the rushing game. I'm less inclined to do it with somebody who's a two down back. Um, somebody that's going to see a um, lot less work inside the passing game. Um, you know, Chubb is is borderline there, but I think we'll see a little bit more out of him this year in, in that regard because Hunt is gone. And so I think it opens up more options, but I think it's very viable. I think it's doable. We've seen a lot of success with it um, in especially confined leagues and in, in tournament builds. I think it still has a place as well. Um, and you just have to get, you know, luckier, I should say, hit on the later round wide receivers, you're going to be looking for those Debo's that were going in round eight. You're going to be looking for those receivers that might be a little undervalued that are going to exceed expectations. You know, a few names could be like Jahan Dotson's. It could be Traylon Burks. It could be, you know, given his knees. Okay. But there's a few players that could exceed expectations that are going later in drafts for second year wide receivers that may give you a good return on your value. Yeah. The only problem I see with it, um, you know, and again, FFPC is a little different, but I feel like I'm kind of forced to go with the wide receiver picks, Billy. So again, I'm like, I feel like I'm somewhat playing catch up at tight end and also at quarterback. And then I'm still being forced to take wide receiver. And if the wide receivers get pushed up, then I'm potentially having to reach for a guy. So again, I'm open to any strategy this year. I think it's a really fun year for builds. Chad, your thoughts on what I said. I I think what you said makes a lot of sense. I think that if you, if you start RBRB at FFPC, and certainly if you're playing at a format where you need three wides and you start RBRB, I think you really, really need to consider backing up quarterback and tight end. Yeah. Yeah. You, yeah. Do you adhere to that, Chad? Because this is a, um, you know, our friend Nelson Sousa, who I split a team with, and I know you've split teams with over the years. We've talked about like certain rules going away. Are you a kind of guy that is okay selecting tight end and quarterback early in the same draft? Or is that you feel like you're playing catch up when you do that? Uh, very, very rarely. The only the only exception, the, the only exception really would be at the FFPC with the point and a half premium and I get Kelsey or Andrews. Um and like Lamar makes it to the fourth round. I, I, I get Andrews in the second round and, uh, or potentially Mahomes, I suppose, in the third round, if uh gets to, to me in the third round and, and nothing else is sticking out. And then NFFC, you feel like you're kind of drawing dead when you get tight end quarterback. Yeah. Not, not, yeah. You just gotta, it just isn't going to work very well. Although it, 
defied logic last year because people with Kelsey and Mahomes won all the money. So yeah, um, it, it, it you never know what's going to happen. It's that's why we love the game, and it's uh, we think we know what's going to happen, but we don't, and and it's unique every year, and that's what keeps it fun. No, for sure. And then Billy and I are high volume, you know, skin in the game players. Um, but you have a lot more skin in the game and a lot more high volume. How do you approach waivers in season, Chad? When do you start doing them? And when do you stop doing them? I'm guessing it's 10 p.m. on Wednesday evenings when you stop. When do you start? Just want to know your waivers, your waiver wire process. You know, I don't want to, I don't want to get, you know, oh, you know, I don't want to have like a PTSD here. But tell us your process. I try to get my research done on Tuesdays by Tuesday afternoon. Um, and then I start doing some of my offsite places that, that uh, by Tuesday night, that by offsite, I mean the, the non-mainstream sets that I play at. Um, and, then, uh, and then Wednesday I get up and start going and I basically do all of it on Wednesday for the three primary companies that most people play at. So um, I have a, I give a guy a seven and a half percent free roll to help me with, with uh, this. And he handles all my kicking and defense. And then uh, he tries to get that done by mid afternoon Wednesday. And then if I need some, some help on other things, then he's really good at following instructions as, as long as I instruct him well, he'll do it perfectly. So that's you like, 50, get- it's like 50 grand a year to click to, to, to select kickers and defenses. <laughs> Chad, you got to You got to You got to uh, you've got to get him a co- one college credit from the University of Nebraska. That's got to be part of the package next year. Little in Chad Schroeder in- internship. How are you feeling about Nebraska football this year? You're a big Nebraska fan. You have Matt Rule as the head coach. How are you feeling? Last time we talked, you had a little bit of enthusiasm. Uh, there, there's no doubt in my mind that it's the right hire. I don't know that it's going to translate this year, um, but he's putting the foundation in place and doing things the right way and to, you know, he's built programs before and this isn't a complete rebuild. There's some talent here. We are just so poorly coached. Um, so I, I, I think that there's a shot that we could be in a bowl game this year, but it'll be close. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping they do very well for you. I feel this, like college football is better when Nebraska is decent. Uh, 100% agree. Um, should have never uh, fired uh, Frank Solich. That should have uh, you should have held on to Solich longer. But this is uh, this has been just tremendous. Chad, are you going to Vegas this year? No. Okay. Well, one year we're going to see you out I there. Am, uh, I, whatever year I slow down things, which that maybe next year I don't know. Um, then I'm definitely coming out there. But I want to I want to go out there and enjoy and have a good time and not be stressed about drafting and and so I can actually talk to people doesn't do any good to go out there and and be on my computer all the time doing a million drafts so um then people think i'm rude because i don't have time to talk to them so it just makes no sense for me to really go when i'm doing five drafts at a time usually no this was this was uh this was just tremendous today um you know billy and i really appreciate you coming on let everybody know where they could find you and i'll say this if you want to hear more from chad definitely check out the goat districts episode with chad chad from earlier this week uh which was awesome as well um, and Chad, I'm looking forward to competing with you against you again in some of these leagues. Got us in that that varsity last year. Dan Williamson's in the chat. You you beat us in that varsity, the three thousand dollar varsity. 
But we got you back in the pros versus Joes, which didn't pay quite as much. But that was uh, that was awesome. You was right down to the wire. I think you were. Yeah, I, I was. Uh, I was hopeful that I could close that at pros versus Joes out. But I I got one question for Chad that's not on the show sheet. Chad is notorious for beating people uh, by one fab. And there's probably a method to his madness. And he can probably, he can feel free, Chad, to tell me, I'm not telling you this information. But I assume that you have Excel sheets that have everybody's oh, tendencies. God, no. No. <laughs> he does not know. Are you kidding me? How could I? <laughs> I have three minutes to do a team. Uh, and that's pushing it. I have three minutes a team. I don't have time to be looking at spreadsheets. <laughs> But no, seriously, um, I do pull off an am- amazing amount of those. Um, I think that what what uh, Mojo was talking about earlier, some of that is true. Um, I think that he's overrating the number one, though, based on the fact that a lot of bids are simply one dollar or nines. Yes. Yeah. Um, so I think that. So I think that uh, he's overrating the power of one because of that. I think the more powerful thing is the three, three, four, four. So I usually go 45 if instead of 44 or 34 instead of 33, 23 instead of 22. Um, now this year, I guess I'll have to go one, one, one more for in case. Anybody's so there. never, hey guys, th- this is actual information. Never double up, never be like seven, seven, six, six, always be one up. It shows you're taking time with your fab. Um, it's the, the, between Darren and Chad. There's been just so much knowledge. I see a lot of people watching right now. Please hit the like button. Um, Chad, again, let everybody know where they can find you on Twitter. At Chad SCH 23. And congrats on all your success over the years. You're an inspiration to a lot of us who play high stakes uh, football. You do it year in, year out. And I hope you do very, very well again this year. Unless you're competing against Billy and I in those leagues, then you know we will we'll, you could finish second. Well, but Billy's other than that, Billy hammered me in one one already, so I got payback. <laughs> Billy there. runs pure. Billy runs pure for sure. And make sure you tune in next week because Billy and I are going to be well. We have not announced the date yet, but Billy and I are going to be drafting an FFPC main event, and we're going to be streaming the whole process um, right here on First Class Fantasy. We're going to do an extra show. You guys know what you need to figure out on on, on these. That's it's the next thing. It's got to be not that hard. Somebody's got to be able to figure it out. But be able to like take delay at a few minutes, or, or maybe fifteen minutes, so you can actually talk about. Well, we we we're we're gonna pre-record this one. We pre-record them. We've, we've done we've done a live one twenty-five for the people. People snipe you, but people snipe us a lot. We'll we've do it just many, to do it. The Goat District. We've done this before. I've done a bunch of these live drafts. It's uh you end up speaking in code and I'll be like, Hey Billy, the third guy in our queue, uh, should we take the third guy or the second guy? And then you end up sounding like a goof. It's just much more interesting for the people to watch, even if they have to wait till it's over to watch it. If so, we can hear all your good thoughts rather than, uh, yeah, we did the last one where we recorded and posted it so we could talk freely without having to worry about assholes yeah. sniping us and taking them just to spite us. And then yeah. also being able to speak freely and actually talk about it. The team was a B minus in my opinion. It didn't work out that well, but it was overall, it was nice to be able to bounce things off each other. We just had some difference of opinions on, on the clock. Um, but overall, it, it, it's a lot more engaging for the, for the user to be able to actually listen and hear everything. Yeah. I'm it's still not- convinced Chad has Excel sheet with 
people's names on. Well, Chad's Chad's <laughs> Chad's University of Nebraska uh, intern who uh, has the kickers and defenses on lockdown might might be charting fab, but he's not going to reveal everything. Chad's won a lot of leagues. He's got to keep a couple of secrets. But you've been super super generous with your information and your time today, Chad. Next Thursday, Billy and I have Sean Siegel from Rotoviz on First Class Fantasy. We're going to have a zero RB episode. It's going to be awesome. We're going to talk about uh, some of the strategies that go along with zero RB, some of the structures in place, and hopefully Sean's going to reveal a couple of his zero RB targets. That's always a fun one. Um, Billy, are you recording a Dominator this weekend? I am recording a Dominator this weekend. Last weekend was my anniversary. Took took the week off. I'm going to get back to it this weekend. Probably do a draft. I think we'll just draft for the rest of the season, talk about it, record it, post it up afterwards, um, and just be able to get some content there. That's what that podcast is. It's dominating your drafts, give people some advice, actionable, actionable in on the clock advice, um, be able to kind of talk it through and, and talk about it. I talked about the last one, Chad, I agree with you. Stacking is overrated. And I said, I'm building a 20 leg parlay here. I don't, I don't, I don't need to go <laughs> stack. So we're going to go best player available the whole way through and we're going to see how it works out. So I, I agree. I think stacking is a little overdone right now and, and I'm okay going against the grain. And I've loaded up press coverages, guys. I got Curtis Patrick, Mike Leone, Jared Smola. We're, we're trying to cram in as much actionable content as we can here at Player Profiler before you have your drafts, before the NFL season starts. Uh, I'm Theo Greminger. Thanks again to Chad Schroeder, Billy Muzio, as always. Enjoy the rest of your day, and thanks for tuning in to First Class Fantasy. Later, guys. Hey, I want to take a moment to thank you for tuning in. It's important to me that all of our media be free. This is only possible because of you allowing a true independent sports media enterprise to thrive unlike any other in the business. So please subscribe to the All In Package to continue to make all this possible to ensure that all of our stats, information, data, content is available to you, especially you, the people that get the site and get the show.